For those of you that are visiting, this morning is going to be a little bit different than what we would regularly normally do. Um, you know when you've got a, a, a family at home and, and sometimes there are uh, guests come around and you talk a certain way when there are other people in the house and sometimes uh, when guests are not there and it's just family, you talk on a different level. Sometimes you'll talk about things with family that you may not necessarily talk about when there are guests in the house. So today's a little bit of a family talk, but I'm praying and hoping that the guests, the visitors here, that you get something out of this that you can take away as well. But a lot of what I'm going to talk about now is pertaining to in-house uh, family stuff. Uh, we've been here for a, a couple of years now and Many of us have been along that journey, and I don't want to go over old ground, but just to let you know, a couple of years ago, a pretty major miracle happened. We, when me and Jackie took on the church, we drove down our first Sunday coming up here to take it on as pastors. We drove up Holland Street, got to the end. We'd normally turn right to come here. And the very first Sunday, the Lord said, turn left, and I had no idea why, but I just remember the car turning left. And driving and getting to a point and feeling like God said, stop the car. Stop the car and got out. It was almost a dead end. And I'm thinking, why are we here? And I felt like God, that very first Sunday, before we'd even stepped in here as pastors for the first week, said to me, this is where, the, this is where I'm going to put the church. This is where a rise is going to be. And so we started a ritual every Sunday. We'd drive down Holland left, go over there, pray on Sunday. Then we'd go back down Oliver Avenue and here. And it took probably... I think about six weeks, eight weeks of parking the car and facing a particular building and thinking, well, that must be the building that we're going to get. Facing the building, praying about six to eight weeks. I remember one Sunday getting out of the car, seeing the middle of the road, face, and I felt like God said, turn around. It was one of those like, seriously, turn around. And I turned around and here was this building sitting there, never been used at all. I mean, how do you not notice a building like that, blue and orange, and it's screaming at you, look at me, look at me, look at me. I did not even notice it. I'm facing here. All I did was turn around and bang, there's this building, brand spanking new big building there, never been used. That began a process of us um, going back and forth with, uh, with, with God and, you know, what do we do now? Do we, do, we, do we step out in faith? We're not a massive church. Look around. We've got about 45, 50 people that call the rise home. Um, you know, what, what do we do, God? Do we step out in faith? Do we take this opportunity? We're back and forth within the church. We, me and Jackie praying and talking. We went to INC leadership, and at first they said, show us your financial figures. They looked at them and they went, <laughs> what else you got? They said, look, bottom line, we got nothing. We got this group of church, we got those financial figures, and we've got this sense of faith and belief in our heart that this is right. I can't put that sense of faith into paper and figures for you. I can only say to you, we believe this is right, and we know, we know that we know that God is in this. Back and forth, eventually they said, look, um, uh, we're not sure that you can do it, keep working on things. We um, ended up biting the bullet one day. I got on them and said, look, can we at least get the lease papers to look at? And they said, yes, get the lease papers. We contacted the real estate. They sent us the lease papers. We got them. Um, and then five minutes after I got the lease papers in my inbox, I get a phone call on my phone. I pick it up, yes, are you... Um, uh, Alan, yes. Have you, uh, you uh, got a church that wants to move into Oliver Avenue building? I said, yes. And the lady on the other end said, I think we need to talk. I said, right, no worries. When can we talk? She said, I'm the owner. Me and my husband own it. When can we talk? I said, tomorrow. So the next day we drove up to their house, me and Jackie, after work, sat down with them, cut a long story short, turns out that they are Christians. 
turns out that they built that building several years ago and when they'd finished building it, one of the workers walked up to, to the husband, patted him on the back and said, well, there's another one for your portfolio. When the worker said that to him, he said, I just felt convicted of God. I felt like the Spirit of God said to me, is that what your life's about? Are you just building portfolios? Because they own other buildings and homes and things like that. He came home, he said to his wife, I really felt that God convicted of the Holy Spirit. We're just building portfolios, making money for ourselves. So they cut a long story short, they went up to the building, they stood in front of the building and they prayed over it and they said, Lord, we want to dedicate this building to you. Now they were thinking that a mechanic or a welder or somebody would go in there and they would just use that money to feed and invest into the kingdom of God. They had no idea that a church, God would hang on to that. It sat there empty for the longest time. Nobody wanted it. And then we come along, and it was amazing, once we came along and started the process, how many other people all of a sudden noticed there was a building there and wanted the building. But in, in the end, um, we sat down with them, and we've got this amazing agreement. We're paying, here's a way to look at it. We don't pay rent on that shed. I know people keep saying, oh, but you're paying rent on that, plus we're paying rent here, it's a waste of money, and it is. But here's the thing. It just dawned on me this morning when we're praying, we don't pay a cent of rent on that building at all. None of that money is going into anybody's pocket. None of that money is building somebody's personal kingdom. The arrangement that they came to with us is this. They said, we want to put that money aside, and then when we get some time, them and myself and Jackie, we're going to get together, we're going to pray, because they said, we don't want that money. We want that money invested into the kingdom of God in this community, and we want to do it through Arise. So all of a sudden this morning when we were praying, I thought, thank you, Jesus, I've never thought about that. We're not coming up with, uh, you know, Uh, $2,145 a month rent on that building. God's giving us an opportunity to invest $2,145 into his kingdom in our community. That's what he's doing, you see? It's a little change of mindset, but to me this morning, it made a world of difference. A world of difference. We're not getting money to pay rent. God's saying, hey, here's the thing, I want $2,145 a month invested into the kingdom, and I'm giving you an opportunity to be the people to do that. And so we've been doing that, all that money that we've been paying... um, Uh, we've been calling rent, is sitting in a fund and it's building, 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 building. All that money is going to be used to invest into the kingdom. Now, they've been waiting. The owners are waiting because they said, we want whatever we do, we want it to be seen by the community that it's coming out of your church, that it's your people, that it's a rise doing this so that they know the good things that are happening with this finance. It's coming from a a bunch of people that are doing this because they love Jesus and they believe that God wants to bless the community. So I think it's an amazing opportunity and setup that we have. Um, Some more things have happened this week, and I want to touch on a couple of things. Before I do, I've asked Tim to come and share a little bit with us. Tim Tim and and Tiffany and their family have been coming along here for a long time, and Tim had a dream this week, and uh, it reminded me of Martin Luther King, actually. You want to... Come up and shoot. I have a dream. You can start like that if you want. It'd be great. I look professional with Bible. It's right. Hello, everyone. Um, hi. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so I've had an interesting week. Um, I didn't think I'd be up here again so quickly. <laughs> I thought once a year is enough, but um, second time, so we'll see how we go. Um, yeah, on after Sunday, we we're, were um, talking about money or bills that might be coming in, um, and I'm thinking, oh, how are we going to pay for all this stuff, and what's God going to do to provide this money? And so we just prayed about it and at home, and then during the week. On Monday night, um, 
I had a dream, and in the dream I saw a Bible, and in the Bible it was just a passage, and on the top was the word Lismore. But everything else is blurry, I couldn't read it. I'm like, I wonder where that is. And then a hand came across and turned the page, and it said the New Testament on this side. So I knew it was the last page of the Old Testament. So um, in the morning I got up and found the closest Bible I could and read it. got to that last page. Um, And it was Malachi... Um, uh, chapter 3 verse 10 and it said bring all the tithes into the storehouse that there may be food in my house and try me now in this says the Lord of hosts so he's saying test me in this if I do not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out you such a blessing that there will not be enough room to receive it and then it goes on and says I will rebuke the devourer of the state." For your sakes, so that you will not destroy the fruit of your ground, nor shall the vine fail to bear fruit for you in the field, says the Lord of hosts. And all nations will call you blessed, for you will be a delightful land, says the Lord of hosts. And I I just thought, wow, that fits in with what's happening here. And um, yeah, so I was really excited. The next day, I, I was thinking about it a bit more, and I thought, the first bit says bring all the tithes into the storehouse and I thought to myself maybe that's just a word for me to um, check what, what I'm paying I suppose for my tithes because I've been set up an automatic debit system two years ago but we've been getting more income since and I haven't changed it and so I thought I'd better go change it so I did um, and I, we, we upped it a bit more as well just because we thought that was what we wanted to do and yeah, so we, I left it at that. And then on Wednesday, I got a, we got a text from Centrelink saying, can you come and update your details? And um, I said, sure. Went on the app and updated it all. And um, just left it at that. And then on Friday, I got a, a text from the bank saying, $4,000 has gone into your account from Centrelink. I'm like, What? <laughs> I didn't even know it was coming. So, um, yeah, I just, we thought that's perfect. That's going to go straight towards this building fund and, and um, get this building going. But, um, yeah, I just wanted to say that um, he's not joking when he says he will open the windows of heaven and pour out blessings. And, like, he's there with us now helping us through this. Um, journey and yeah I just felt like it was a word of encouragement for all of us as we take steps of faith in building this church so I hope you feel encouraged by it <laughs> that's excellent Tim thank you so much I know you, you, you um, Tim, Tim has an allergic reaction to microphones he's kind of one of this when microphones come near but twice in two weeks mate you're killing it um, now, I want to go on a step from there. Those of you that come here that are family here, you would know we don't talk, I, I don't talk a lot about money. 
Um, not because I have a, a, a problem with it, but because with the time I have, uh, with us all gathering together, there are other things that we want to talk about. But we have up the back there a letterbox when people walk in. If your family would know that, that's our giving box up there. So people that go to this church, they know now, they come on in, they put their tithes and their offerings and things in there. And uh, some people write uh, building fund on the envelope and they'll, they'll pop it in there. But I really wanted Tim to share that because I feel like it's tied in with a few other events that have happened as well uh, this week on the back of that. Now, Tuesday, uh, that happened. Uh, uh, Tim, was it Tuesday you had the dream, mate? Monday night, Tuesday, Tim had... So Monday night, Tim had the dream. Tuesday, he sent me that. Wednesday, I walked up. Uh, I was happened to be up here in town. I decided to go across and have a look at the building. And the first thing I noticed when I got to the building was this little sign out the front for lease. So my first thought was, oh, the owners are leasing it out from underneath us because we haven't built it in time. What's going on? So I jumped on the phone, I rang up the owners and I said to them, um, uh, sorry, I got an email, I said, look, I just, just let you know, I noticed the four lease sign out the front. Um, you know, just kind of jokingly, you know, what's happening? And they got back to me and they said to me, the gym next door is moving because he has grown his business so big that he can no longer stay there and they don't have another building with enough space for him. And I straight away went back to three weeks ago. How many of you were here three weeks ago when I shared with you that uh, to start with, I've been praying, God, just move him out, just get him out. Very selfishly, because we want, we want the space. Get him out, get him out. But then the Lord said, no, don't, don't do that. Pray that I will bless him. Pray that his business will prosper and then he'll go because his business... And so we did. Who was here three weeks ago? We, we, we stood here and we prayed, Lord, prosper that man, bless his business. And all of a sudden, in 21 days, God has blessed his business to the point where he's gone to the owners, I, I, I can't stay here, I have to move. So he is about to leave the premise. Can we See, that's the picture there. So the orange and a cross is what we have at the moment. Now we're going to have these two sheds empty. Now, I got on and I quickly contacted them and I said... I'm just dreaming out loud here. What would be the possibility of you leasing that extra space to us? Now, here's the reason why. I've expressed to our leadership before we've talked about what are going to be some of the problems when we get in there and the gym is there because the gym operates every afternoon. It operates every morning. The car park is full with the people that he's got. Um, We're going to struggle to find car park space there any day, any time other than a Sunday morning because the rest of the time he's pretty much got people there doing gym stuff. And I can imagine, I'm thinking, okay, what, what happens when we start things like maybe a mainly music program for um, um, you know, young kids to come along? Or we start some coffee um, things during the day or, or afternoons, meetings and things like that. What's going to happen when our people rock up and there's no car parking space and we're parking on the road? Uh, how long is it going to take before council maybe get involved in that and go, that's inappropriate, not going to happen. So there's all these issues that I could see coming. So I've been praying along those lines as well. God, I can see issues coming up. You need to do something. Well, God's done something. And all of a sudden, this gentleman is, is going to disappear. Now, the other thing that we've been thinking about as well is when we moved in there, there are a lot of people in this church, and some of you are here now, and you shared with us, you can really see young people. You can see youth in the life of the church. And so can we. That's always been a part of, of Arise, and I think it's a part of what we're called to do, is to, to be a part of raising up a younger generation of people, um, connecting them with the older generation. And there's a lot of wisdom and experience and stuff in the Lord in this place. And you don't, 
shelve that and just, you know, you bring them together because young people learn from the older people and so on. And so we want to see that multi-generational connection taking place. But we did know this. Once we got into that building, council said you've got to have X amount of toilet space, you've got to have the kitchen, you've got to have all this stuff. Once it's all planned out, those of you that have been up to the building, whether you've said it or not, you've probably asked yourself the question, where's room for the kids? Where's the kids' church space? Where's, you know, um, I've thought that from day one. God, this is going to be an issue. Because we have a lot of people coming along here and they check us out and they go, look, I'll come back when you've got the building and there's something going on for the children. Okay? Um, and you know what? That's a need for people. That's People want their children to be gathered together with other kids. I look at it like this. We can have all the kids sitting in here, but you know what? When I'm talking, I'm, uh, let's put it this way. I'm teaching a grade 12 class. So I'm not teaching kindergarten kids, if that makes sense. So I'm speaking a language that grade 12 kids will understand kindergarten kids may not get it. Now some of you I'm sure go home and maybe have conversations with your children and explain, simplify what we learned today, what we talked about but you know what, I'm not going to make the assumption everybody does that. What I do know is this, that, that I think Kids Church is a powerful ministry tool. It's not a babysitting service, it's a ministry tool to invest into and to raise up a generation of young kids, give them a great foundation in God, teach them stuff. Um, I would love to see, and we spoke about this um, earlier in the year with Daniel and Ruth and what they want to do with the young kids. I'm looking forward to the Sunday where, where we're going to get the young kids up here and all of us are going to come forward and we're going to let all these young kids, you're going to be praying for us, laying hands on us, you're going to be sharing with us what you feel like maybe God's saying. I'm, I'm hanging for that uh, to happen. It's going to happen. That's going to be a part of what we want to do. But I'm looking around right now going, Lord, when we get in there, there's no space for the kids. Then all of a sudden, bang, this happens. Only about a month out from when we're expecting to get in there. And in my spirit, I'm going, oh, God, you just seem to be answering prayer after prayer after prayer after prayer after prayer. And so all of a sudden, I'm going, wow, there's a kid's space right there, right there. Big double shed, open ready to do something. We could go in there and we could start having kids' church from the day we get in there. Uh, we could start getting Daniel and Ruth. They can start doing some things with the youth on a Friday night or whatever, whenever it is that you just want to do things. One of the things that stopped them from progressing with the young people has been space. There's nowhere. I mean, half our kids are in Ballina. These guys live in casino, travel down every Sunday, uh, and we've got nowhere in the middle to sort of do anything. All of a sudden, I feel like God's going on positioning things. I've been moving things around. It's been going on for a while. I'm moving things around. Now I'm starting to pull things together. Now that poses a question for us, doesn't it? Have we got the faith to stretch ourselves that little bit further to be able to take advantage of an opportunity that maybe God's presenting to us right now? And that's what I feel like it is. It's an opportunity to stretch ourselves. I was thinking uh, this week uh, about faith. And I don't know if you're like me, but I kind of live with this unconscious mentality that faith is a destination. It's a place you arrive at. Um, but the older I get and the more time I spend with the Lord, I realize faith's not a destination that you arrive at. It's a journey that doesn't stop. It began the day we gave our lives to Jesus and we decided to follow a God that we couldn't see, taste, touch, feel or smell, but he's here present with us and we believe that by faith. And, and, and if you're like me, I go through situations and I go, oh God, I'm believing you for this. You know, for example, God, I'm believing you for this building. Forget the two bits on the end. Not worried about that. I'm just believing you to get us in here. And guess what? I'm sitting here the other day and I'm three to four weeks away from us finally getting in there going, praise God, because when we get in there, I'm so, I can rest. We can go, oh, we can breathe. What I'm really saying is, God, I'm believing in faith, believing in faith. When I get there, I can stop believing in faith. Well, if I'm not living my life by faith, what am I living it by? Now, Hebrews 11, uh, I think it's 11, 6, somewhere around there, it says this. It says, without faith, it's impossible to please God. Amen? Who's read that passage? Without faith, 
it's impossible to please God. Well, if without faith it's impossible to please God, who thinks God wants us to please him? Well, if God wants us to please him, but it's impossible to please him without faith, then wouldn't it stand to reason that God will consistently keep us in a place in our life where we're constantly having to live by faith? The Bible says the just, those who are justified and made right by God, shall live by faith, not pop in and out of faith when they need to. Amen? Not just come on in because I need money and I've got my money now, I get out of faith. And it ties in with what uh, Tim was saying. Tithing is a classic example. You know, we can do a message on tithing. I did a message uh, about a year ago on tithing, and you can jump on our iTunes um, page, Arise Church Lismore, and you can go back and find that. And, and I listed the reasons why I believe in tithing. We looked at scriptures, Old New Testament. And we can hear that and go, yes, I'm going to tithe. And we can make adjustments on our, internet, on, our, on our giving and so on. And we can do that one week, and then we think, right, I've done that. There's my, I've taken that one step of faith. Then we relax. Before we know it, three months down the track, we're not tithing anymore. Or we're not giving like we once did. We're not believing God anymore until we come and get a bit of a jolt. It's like we pop into faith, then we pop out of faith. We pop into faith, pop out of faith. We're sick and we press into God and we're believing for healing and believing that it'll come through. And so we step into this faith space and we believe God to come through and do the stuff that he does. And once we get the answer or whatever, then we gradually step away from it. Before you know it, that's the second, third, fourth, fifth, now the last place we go when we're sick because we've got all these other things now. And so we pop into faith and we pop out of faith. Yet the more I look at the Bible, I'm realizing that faith is not a destination that we ever arrive at. If you want to follow God, your whole life is going to be required to be lived by faith. As a matter of fact, let me ask you a question. What area of your world right now do you go, yeah, I'm really having to lean on God in that area of my life? If you don't have an area of your life where you're really pressing it or leaning into God, then let me ask you a question. Where's the, without faith, it's impossible to please God part? You see, we want our lives to be so comfortable in every area. We want to be financially stable so we don't have to trust anymore. We want the house and the car and that so we don't have to trust anymore. We want all the ducks to line up so that we can get into a position. Or I do, I don't know about you, but I'm just speaking for me. I feel like it's, it, believing God and trusting God takes a certain amount of energy. And, and unconsciously I've come to realise that, God, what I'm really saying to you, Lord, is I want my life to be in a position where I don't have to really walk by faith anymore. I just want everything there so I can kind of relax and then get on with, with life. But God's saying, if that's the kind of life you want, you can maybe have that life, but if you want to be really pleasing to me, I'm going to keep you on the edge of your seat. And I'm going to make sure that you've always got to believe me. You're always trusting me for something. Amen? Without faith, it's impossible to please God. You know, sometimes, faith to me is this. A simple definition of faith is this. It's, it's, it's being convinced of the trustworthiness and the goodness of God. That's faith. Being convinced of God's trustworthiness and his goodness. If you are convinced that God is trustworthy and that God is good, then that's faith. Because if God's trustworthy and good, then I'll do what he says. I'll step out and I'll trust him and I'll do what he says. Some of us want to see the result before we take the step. Amen? How many people sitting here, we know that we should forgive those who've offended us. We should forgive those who are, uh, have come against us. The Bible says forgive. And we go, well, I'll forgive when I feel it. I'm waiting to feel like I can forgive. So in other words, I want the end result first. God's going, no, my word says forgive those who persecute you. Pray for those who spitefully use you. Do that. You step out in faith, you do that. After you do that, you know what happens? The feelings begin to follow. The feelings begin to follow after we step out. It's like what uh, Tim was just reading there in uh, Malachi about the tithe. God doesn't say, I'm going to open the windows of heaven, then you'll give. He says, no, you give, then I'll open the windows of heaven. 
If you go back to Genesis chapter 12, uh, real quickly, Genesis 12 with Abraham. And when God called Abraham, he said this, Genesis 12, 1 and 2. He says, get out of your country from your family and your father's house to a land that I have shown you. Is that what it says? It says to a land that I what? I will show you. In other words, I haven't yet. I'm asking you to do something I haven't shown you yet. I want you to start walking. I want you to walk into your wife. She's in there. Can you imagine? I mean, that whole scene would have been bizarre, don't you think? Sarah's in there cooking lentils or whatever it is that they cooked back then. And Abraham comes in. He sits down probably. I mean, we all know that feeling. You've got something you've got to say. It's news that you probably know your spouse is not really going to jump at. And so you're picking your timing. You go, okay, when's the best time to break this to her? When's the best time that I can say, oh, kids are, you know, kids are doing well at school, Sarah. Yeah, that's great. That was a fantastic meal, Sarah. Think, what, what do you call that? You know, sponge cake. Oh, why would you go out when you can have that night after night, all that sort of stuff? Oh, by the way, we're leaving. What? Yeah. Um, we're going to pack up our whole life. We live in this really prosperous, important, significant city, Ur of the Chaldeans, but we're going to pack everything up and we're going to go and move somewhere else. Okay, so who told you that, Abram? God did. Who is this God? You see, they worship this God called Nana. Nana was the God the Chaldeans worship. Nana was the moon, the God of the moon. They worshiped the moon. And they believed that that was the most powerful God and that Nana controlled the seasons and life and death and all this kind of stuff. And that was, they were moon worshippers. And all of a sudden, Abraham hears from this God that's not even his God, he doesn't even know this God, but this God speaks to him and he goes into his wife and says, you know the God we've worshipped our whole life? Well, it wasn't him. It's some other dude. I don't quite know who he is yet, but I know he told us that we're going to go. Okay, if, per chance, I'm dumb enough to do this with you, Abram, where are we going? I don't know. Okay, so you don't know who told you to go. You don't know where we're going, Okay. You know? Oh, but he did promise that you know we'll be father of many nations, we'd be blessed, and Sarah, you're gonna have you must gonna have kids and you know. Can you imagine how bizarre that would have been? You know, when we hear that story, we always think about Abram, don't we? We think about Abram, it's the call of Abram. But when I was reading it this week, I realized it's not the call of Abram, it was the call of Abram and Sarah. It's one thing to be the person who hears from God, has a vision, and wants to go somewhere. It's another thing to be the person who didn't hear directly from God who didn't get the vision, who didn't get the dream, but still has the faith to go, I trust where we're going and I'll go. I trust where we're going and I'll go there. Uh, I think it's in Acts chapter 15. We've got a similar thing in the New Testament where the Bible says that the, the group of believers, they got together and, and, and Paul and his companions, Luke was a part of that. We know that because he wrote the book of Acts and he uses the we references. You know, I was there at the time. And they're heading in a direction. The Bible says the Spirit of God forbade them to go. So they headed this way and the Spirit forbade them. Three directions they tried and the Holy Spirit stopped them. Then it says in the middle of the night, Paul had a dream of a man from Macedonia saying, come to us, come to us. So the next morning, the Bible says that Paul got up and he shares with him, I had a dream last night. We're not to go in any of those directions. We'd head over here to Macedonia. And the Bible says that Luke records that he told us that and we... we we packed up and, and, and decided, now this is God to us. And we went. And I'm thinking again, it's one thing to be Paul, who had the dream, who heard from God, who saw the man from Macedonia begging him to come. It's another thing to be the rest of those guys who didn't have the dream, who didn't see it, who didn't hear the voice, 
but we're going to go along with it anyway. I said, no, this is right. This is good. We're going to step out. Who needs more faith? Abram or Sarah? Who's taking the biggest gamble? Abram or Sarah? Who's taking the biggest gamble? Who needs the most faith? Paul or the rest of the guys that are going, well, we trust you, Paul. We trust you, Paul. I don't know. I've never thought of it before. I always just thought of Abram. And you know what I feel like right now? I feel like, in one sense, kind of feel a bit like Abram, speaking to Sarah, going, I feel like God's saying, we need to go this way. I feel like God's saying that we need that space because we need something for the kids and the younger generation. There's a passage in Job. I just came across it this week. I haven't, haven't seen it before. It says this. Job 42.5. Job had a tough life. Who would attest to that? Job didn't have it easy. You know, he didn't have the, the classic Pentecostal life. Everything just works for you. Or you do say a couple of prayers and, you know, tick a couple of crosses and dot dice and cross T's and everything's just going to be wonderful. Well, I wish I could stand here and say that's life, but we, we've all lived long enough with God to know that's not it. You know, but God's with us through all those times. You know, we experience God on the mountaintops. We really do. And we encounter God. And it's on the mountains where we go, oh, this is great. But, you know, we experience and we encounter God in valleys too. Amen? When we're down there in the pit and we've got nothing else that gets us through, but we know that we know that we know. The only reason I'm still standing is because somebody's holding. A bit like Chloe with that, that, that footprint story, you know? There was only one set of footprints there. I didn't have the strength to stand, but I know there were footprints there. And I know who was carrying me. I know who was holding me. Job has his life turned upside down. All his children uh, uh, die. Businesses go on. Then he, a bunch of friends come around him. And his friends are giving him all kinds of advice, such as curse God and die, Job. What great advice is that? In the midst of suffering and pain, who wants friends that are going to gather around? Well, <laughs> just curse God and get on with your life. You know, this is the advice his mates are giving him. Another ones are coming along saying, Job, you're in this situation because you have sinned. It's all because of your sin, Job, because you've done the wrong thing. And Job's sitting there trying to process all this stuff. And there's 42 or 43 chapters in the book. And towards the end of the book, here's what Job says. And I, I come across it this week and I thought, Lord, that's powerful. Job 42, verse 5, Job says this. He says, I've heard of you by the hearing of the ear. But now my eye sees you. I've heard of you by the hearing of the ear. Now my eye sees you. You see, I think that's faith. We can hear all we want about God. We can hear all we want about being pleasing to God. We can hear all we want about God's realm of financial work, how he works with money. We can hear all we want about God and relationships. We can hear all we want about God and miracles. We can hear all we want about God and prayer. We can hear all we want about God, all this stuff. But you know, it's not until we activate and we step into it that all of a sudden it goes from we heard about you before God now I've seen you. Now I've experienced you, God. So now I'm not just living, living based on things I know about you, but I've now experienced you, God. I've seen you for myself. A bit like Tim was saying, you jump on the internet, you adjust those figures, and all of a sudden, bang, you get an email from Centrelink, who, by the way, it's crazy, giving you money. <laughs> tilt, tilt. Not sure about that one. They're giving you money. You know? That's not normal. But here's the thing, you jump on, you do that, you take the step of faith because you know it's right. You're convinced of the truthfulness and the goodness of God when it comes to finances. So they go, right, are we going to do this? And so they do that. And then once they do that, now it's not a case of, well, I've heard that if you do this, 
that God will bless you. I've heard that if you bring your tithe, God will open the windows of heaven and pour out such bliss. I've heard, now it's, you know what, I've seen it. I've seen it. I've seen it. And in this room, I'm sure there are many testimonies of people where you've heard things about God. You've heard, you've heard, but you don't see it until you step into it. It's exactly what God said to Abram. He said to Abram this. He said in in, in chapter 12, verse 1 and 2, where we just read, he says, Get out of your country, from your family, from your father's house, to a land I will show you. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you, and you shall be a blessing. I will, I will, I will, and you shall. I will, I will, I will, and you shall. But none of it's going to happen until you start walking. None of it's going to happen until you start moving. Start moving. Start moving. Movement is trust. When you move in a direction that God wants you to move in, it's our way of saying, God, I'm learning to trust you. I'm learning to trust you more and more. And the only way trust grows is by moving. And then God meets me and I go, wow, this thing really works. And I take another step, wow, another step, wow. You know, when I grew up, I didn't have the greatest family environment growing up as a kid. My relationship was very fractured with my mother, extremely fractured. And I remember one day being at Youth with a Mission in Brisbane Training School, and I remember hearing about forgiveness and and that, you know what, God wanted me to forgive my mother. I wrestled with it because I thought, I don't feel like forgiving her. And, and even if I wanted to forgive, I don't feel like I can. So I didn't for years and years. And one day the penny dropped. It's not a feeling. You forgive by faith. Why? Because Jesus said, do it. So Alan, take a step and do it. Feelings will follow. Feelings will come. But obey first. And so I did. I wrote her a letter. And in the letter I said, Mum, I just want to say to you, I, 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 you know, I forgive you. Da-da-da-da. She wrote me back a letter. You know what she said in the letter? <laughs> Oh, you always were a pain in the backside. And blah, blah, blah. I thought, what? What? That's not what I expected. God, I thought she'd write back. Oh, no, it was all. I'm sorry. I'm... And she just got back at me. You were a real pain as a kid. And you were this. And I was like, oh, I remember getting so angry. But at the same time, the Spirit of God said, no, forgive her. Not forgiving her because of the response I get from her. Forgive her. It's what I said. And in that moment, I didn't feel like it, but I had to keep saying, okay, no, God, I choose to forgive my mother. I choose to forgive my mother. You know, I can say right now, in the bottom of my heart, I don't have any resentment, any anger, any bitterness towards my mother. None. Not because she's changed at all. She's never repented to me. She's never apologized. But it's gone. Why? Because I took a step in the direction of God. I obeyed God in an area, and the feelings follow. All that other stuff follows. Most of us don't see miracles in our life because we don't take the first step. We want the miracle first. It's like Abram's God saying, I'll send you to a land, I'll bless you, I'll make you a father, all this stuff. And imagine Abraham going, well, hang on a second, God. I want to see a bit of that first. Show me a little bit of this father of many nations stuff and then maybe I'll take a couple of steps. You know, at least give me some coordinates I can punch into my GPS or Google Maps. So at least I can go to Sierra and go, look, we're heading at least in that direction. He said, no, you've got none of that stuff. You trust me, I'm saying go, and I'll get you there. You just step out and you do it, and you trust me, and I'll work all the other stuff, but I just want you to trust me. I feel like we are in a little season like that right now, where I feel like this opportunity with the building, if I'm brutally honest with you, I feel like God's saying to me this week, do you guys trust me? Do you trust me? Because if we say yes to this, there's the financial... Uh, pressure that comes with that or the financial increase that comes with that. Um, 
But I feel like it's important that all of us are on a page and that we all have a sense that, you know what, this is, this is God. This is God. We need to do this. Um, what I want you to do, and I want to give you permission this week, I want you to pray. And if you're feeling things, I want you to contact us. I want you to let us know in God. Um, you know, what, what are your thoughts? What do you feel the Lord is saying about this? I'm excited. I mean, I've even done... I've, I, the first thing I did is I sat down, I did all the natural things in my head, and I worked it out, okay, $460 a week. If I can, can break it down, if I can get two people, or say one person to commit to $100 a week for the next 12 months. See, I'm confident in 12 months' time the church will grow and we'll have the funds there. But, but this is what I did. The first place I went to was a place of logic. God, if I can get one person to 100, if I can get four people to give 50 a week, that's 300. Then if I can get 10 people to give 20 a week, that's 500. And I broke it all down. I worked it all out with my, my brain. And then I just felt like God said, oh, you have much to learn, young bad one. <laughs> oh, sorry, God. Sorry, God. <laughs> Do you trust me? Do you trust me? I just want to leave that with you this morning. You know, if we want to please God, if we want to grow in our, our walk with him, there's only one way to do that, and it's not about acquiring knowledge about God. So the New Testament word knowledge is a really interesting word. In the New Testament, the word knowledge is equated to experience. It's always equated to experience. When the New Testament says to know God, it means to experience God. When it talks about gaining knowledge, it's talking about experiencing, having genuine encounters and experience with God, whereby we grow out of that. You can never know God just by filling your head with information about him. We know God by taking what he says, taking steps, and that's when we really know him because he comes through and we learn to trust him and we know he's going to be there for us and we know he's not against us. If God be for us, then who can be against us? Amen? Let me pray. Father, I want to thank you for uh, Lord this morning, God. Thank you for each person that is here. God, we pray for each person that calls a rise home that's not here this morning. We pray for them. God, bless them, whatever they're doing. Be with them. But Father, I I just want to say thank you, God, that this journey that we've been on with this building has been amazing. And God, we have seen, whether we recognize it or acknowledge it, God, we have seen incredible miracles along the way so far. And we look forward to seeing many, many more. And Lord, I just pray uh, that you would give us wisdom. I pray that you would give us strategies to take Uh, the next step of action that we need to take. Father, I thank you, God, that you've answered prayer. You have, uh, Lord, you've blessed this guy at the gym. And Father, I pray for him, Lord, that you'd you'd lead him to the right place. God, take him to a place where his business will continue to prosper. God, take him to a place where, uh, Father, he would know that it was the right move to go. And Lord, we just pray, uh, God, that we would have ears to hear what the Spirit is saying, eyes to see what you're doing in regards to this space and the future of Arise Church as far as the building goes up there at Ganelaba. And God, I pray for each person here this morning as well. Lord, if there are areas where you're speaking to us, Father, areas in our life where you're saying, take a step of faith. God, I pray for the courage and the boldness to take those steps of faith, whether it be with a business venture, whether it be with a relationship, God, whether it be forgiveness, whether it be about giving, God, whether it, it, it be taking up a hobby or a sport, whether it be getting fit, whatever it is, God, if there are things you're speaking, God, I pray that, uh, Father, we would have the courage and the guts to take that first step. And in doing so, Lord, that you would meet us and you would reveal yourself to us in that journey, Father. And Lord, I pray also each of us here as we go from this place today, in the next seven days, give every one of us an opportunity to tell somebody about the love of God that does not yet know you. And we ask this this morning in Jesus' name. Everybody said? Amen. 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 God bless, guys. Have a fantastic week. Uh, We'll keep you updated with the building. Um, You have... 
our uh, email or phone number, please. I'm giving you permission. If you're kind of feeling something, you want to submit it to us, then uh, email away or text message away or whatever. And uh, I look forward to walking into the future and all that God has for us. Amen.